What up, what up, everyone? This is the There's More podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Nitz, yelling about it, talking about it, screaming about the more with God. Oh, man, my favorite topic. And I'm guessing you're kind of into it, too, if you keep listening. I don't know. Here you are. You're here again. So (laughs) there's got to be something that you're, you know, picking up what I'm putting down. Friends, I've been a Christian as long as I've been alive. Grew up in the church, in the Christian school with like the bomb.com parents with who love Jesus. I mean, the whole kit and caboodle. And man, I just thought that I had all there was to God. I was involved in church. I was serving. I was in community. Oh man, I just, I thought I had it. And two years ago, God just brought me into this place where he revealed so much that I didn't know this more in my relationship with God, this knowing him more, loving him more, engaging in him more, just me and him. Turns out it's bomb. So that's what the podcast is. That's what I talk about each week. And today we're talking a little bit more about spending time with God and what are we actually pursuing as we spend time with him. So here we go. So my friend Laura Veal and I are teaching a five-week class here at our local church in Akron, Ohio called Grace Church. And this class has been super exciting for us because you know, we love talking about experiencing more in our relationship with God. And that's essentially what the class has been. It's been this five-week group where, which ironically, it is called There's More. And in this class, we're teaching through a lot of what we talk about on the podcast. We're talking about what the more is. Uh, We've been talking about hunger, like growing hunger for God, getting rid of neutral things, making space for more of God in your life. We talked about the shift, uh, man, the shift from focus on self to focus on God, the shift from doing things for God versus doing life with God. And this week we talked about the relationship. Like now that we've described what the more is, what does it look like to grow in this relationship with God? And what are some things that it is or isn't or that we've maybe understood wrong or differently before? Uh, Anyway, the class has just been so cool because um, as much as this, you know, podcast is a blast and a half, I can't see all faces. (laughs) And it's been really neat sitting in our church, having these conversations and inviting people to say, do you want it? Are you interested in the more with God? And here's what it is. And uh, today's teaching at our church, um, I taught on something that I don't really know if I've ever broken down before or talked about out loud before. Um, but this shift that I experienced in what my time with God looked like um, once I started getting the taste of the fullness of God, the goodness of God, of loving God, like the greatest commandment invites us to with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and how my time with God changed. Now, I've done a few episodes on this before. If you're like, Hannah, you have, remember? (laughs) Um, I did one on canceling quiet time. I did one that I think was called I Changed How I Read the Bible. 
And yes, these all add on to each other, but this conversation is a small shift in that. And essentially wanting to ask you, dear listener, if your time with God is a pursuit of self or a pursuit of God. If I had heard that question a few years ago, I think <laughs> I think I would have rolled my eyes like how could my time with God be a pursuit of me? Like if I'm spending time with God, it's obviously a pursuit of God. Man, but friends, I've realized that that is not always the case and I actually see this great danger in Many of us having this quiet time, having this time with God, feeling like, man, isn't this what I'm supposed to be doing? But I'm not experiencing the more. I'm not super energized by this. I'm not excited about it. I don't feel my love and knowing of God growing and growing and growing. This doesn't work for me. And instead, I want to say, man, what if you're kind of asking the wrong question here? What if it's not like, well, I'm doing this and it's not working, but Maybe in your time with God, there's more of a pursuit of yourself and less of a pursuit of God. Now, here's my caveat to begin that conversation. For the last 10 years, the way that I interacted with God, spent my time with God, was a pursuit of self. And I did that with a heart that wanted God. Like I wasn't, this wasn't like an act of an evil person or I was such a selfish person. I can't believe I didn't know how to spend time with God. Like if you hear me describing this version of time with God or this version of quiet time and you're like, oh crap, like Hannah's describing exactly what I do. She's coming for me. I messed up. No, 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 sweet friends. Even if our time with God does have some pursuit of self in it, like you are still working to pursue God. And like, that's awesome. I don't want to like completely poo poo on this. It's just if you're interested in the more in this pursuit of God that you can't get enough of, I just want to invite you to maybe view your time with God a little bit differently and ask this question, is this actually a pursuit of God himself or just a Christian version of pursuit of self? All right. So it's a little prickly. (laughs) Man, I'm such like a person who loves fun and loves encouraging people that I just imagine if I had created a podcast it would just all be about easy, fun things. Like, I remember when, like, I lost my job and everything kind of crashed down. And before I started spending time with God yet, I was still in this, like, Hannah performing mode and, like, I need to do something productive with my life. My friend Anna Posy Wildermuth was like, hey, you should start a podcast. So I started brainstorming what kind of podcast I would start. And guys, this was the name that I wanted to do. <laughs> I literally wanted to name the podcast Confetti, Happy Things, and Jesus. (laughs) Because I just wanted a podcast that was fun and encouraging and like light fun confetti with a little bit of Jesus in it. And sweet friends, the thing about experiencing more of God 
is, man, there is a lot of confetti because it is the most joy-filled fulfillment that I have ever experienced on planet Earth. Like, literally times with God that are greater than the feeling of, like, holding my firstborn son in the hospital. Like, God can be that bomb. But, y'all, it ain't always confetti. Sometimes it's conversations like this that it's like, man, if we actually want more of God... Sometimes it requires hard things. Like sometimes it's tough conversations that you don't always feel like throwing confetti. So I'm really glad that this podcast was God's idea and not mine because your girl would have named it something about confetti. Okay. Guys, so here's the contrast. Is your quiet time, is your time with God, is your relationship with God and time with him a pursuit of self or a pursuit of God? And here's how I'm going to describe and compare and contrast these two. In the pursuit of self, your goal is being filled up. Like, by definition, your quiet time, your time with God is a reset for your day, a reset for your mind, a reframing. Saying, like, I want to have this time to reset, to refocus. I want to go into my day with some energy, with a clear mind, with good thoughts. I want to be filled. Like I'm going to take this 15, 20, 30 minutes at the beginning of my day or at the end of my day and have a reset. My time with God is about me. It's this it's this quiet time which the name quiet time even <laughs> is a pursuit of self. Like quiet (laughs) time, like this quiet, peaceful time where we reset and refuel. As a contrast to that, what I would say the shift is when instead our time with God becomes a pursuit of God. The goal is God. It's not a feeling. It's not a headspace. It's not getting you ready for your day and making you a better person and feel better. The goal of time with God is God. It's a pursuit of knowing God. That's the goal. That's all you have in mind. That's your agenda of God. I want to know you better. Even if I don't leave this 30 minutes feeling bubbly, happy, reset, and ready for my day, It is a pursuit of knowing you. Now, friends, if you think about on the other side, this pursuit of self, this like quiet time mindset, man, non-Christians can do this. Like you cannot be a believer and still have this quiet time meditation at the beginning of your day. And many non-believers do. Like you may hear people of different... um, religious practices, people who don't even have a faith talk about they have meditation in the morning or they have a time for rest, a time for breathing, a time for setting their heart, preparing for the day. If what you're doing with God sounds very similar to that, sweet friends, that is a Christian version of a pursuit of self versus a pursuit of God Man, the foundation for a pursuit of God is found in his word. Like, you can't start a pursuit of God without the Bible. So it's like not something that 
a non-Christian could do unless, you know, they want to be in the Bible. This intimate relationship, this pursuing of God is founded on God's truth that we find in his word. It is a pursuit of knowing him. I would say this pursuit of self or quiet time, it's simple. Uh, Oftentimes it's quick and we feel better afterwards. Like it is this Okay, I want to focus on love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Okay, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, I want to be uh, joyful and content today like Christ. Like it's this um, this quick verse, this 15-minute verse with a quick devotional and we're on for the rest of our day. We've checked this off. This is something we've done to try to think like Christ. I would say a pursuit of God has some similarities to that friend, but man, the desire and the pursuit is active and it's exhausting. <laughs> it's not this simp- simple, quick fix. It's not this, I want to walk away feeling better. It's like, God, I want to pursue you every day like I do a relationship that I care about. So it's not a 15 minute, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. It is like this continual desire, even throughout your day, even when you leave this time in the morning of this saying, God, I want to pursue you and know you. The pursuit of self in your time with God, often your goal is to become a better person, not knowing who God is. It's a hundred days to become more brave and content. It's, um, you know, showing the fruits of the spirit in the really in your relationships. It's, um, man, these devotionals or man, these books that are good, like they have good truth. And again, this is why I'm not saying completely throw this version of quiet time out the window. I just want to make us aware that sometimes this is still pursuing us. Like this can be us picking up our Bible and still anticipating it being about us. God, can you help me with my worry and anxiety? God, how do I deal with loneliness? God, how do I become a more patient mom or a better wife? God, what is my identity? If those kind of questions are the main reason that we're picking up our Bibles, the main reason that we're spending time with God, we're missing the point. Man, I've learned this in my time with God the last year and a half. My friend Laura Veal, who I teach this class with, just teaches this beautifully and essentially says the Bible isn't about us. From beginning to end, the Bible is first and foremost about God. She continues to say he gave it to us so that we could know him intimately, deeply, transformingly. Man. If the why of reading the Bible, of spending time with God, is not about God, we will not grow in intimacy with him. We will not grow to experience the more with him. Because when the questions are about making me a better person and making me more about God, Man, instead, we want to say we want to know who God is. And just by default, once we do that, it then changes us. 
once we begin to get a grasp on who God is, we then (laughs) become a better person. But that is not the bullseye on our goal. When I was teaching this with Laura, I gave the example of having a front row seat to watch this in Laura's life. Laura and I have been friends since 2013, and um, she is one of these people who is pursuing God so fiercely that she is a constant encouragement to me in her love and devotion and chasing after God. And um, the cool thing about Laura is I knew her before this happened. I mean, when her and I met in 2013, we were both running our own little kingdoms, our own little shows, the Hannah show, I used to call it, where my main focus was serving God and making sure other people saw it. So then when both of us got wrecked with God, we kind of have this cool before and after of our friendship. And if I have to look at this difference of a pursuit of self, a Christian version of a pursuit of self versus a pursuit of God, man, Laura could have read a devotional called How to Make Me Braver. She could have been reading that before this big experience with God. But the thing that actually has made Laura the bravest person in the room was not the pursuit of self. It was the pursuit of God. Like Laura, when I met her in 2013 versus Laura now, like I remember um, sitting in my family room with Laura and her like asking about my paint colors and where I picked out the couch and like very thoughtful and worried or wondering about all these different details. Like Her kind of thinking, like, do I like this? Should I get this? Like, this, like, kind of ranking, you know what I mean? And, like, figuring out, like, this is cool. This is important. Maybe I should have, you know, this kind of whatever, too. And, man, when I'm in a room with Laura now, the girl's not asking me about paint colors. (laughs) Like, when I'm in a room with Laura, her conversations are so brave, Like when I have a friend who's struggling with something and the rest of us are all just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's really hard. Laura literally whips out her Bible and is like, guys, let's talk about what God says about this. Or when a conversation's coming up that's a little bit sticky, like someone's bringing up a show or something that's like, oh, gosh, I don't know if we should really be watching that. Laura's like, guys, why are we wasting our time on this? Like the creator of the universe wants to engage us in relationship and we're sitting here worried about X, Y, and Z. Like, (laughs) guys, the girl is bold. (laughs) The girl has become brave. Now, how did this happen? This did not happen through Laura reading a devotional on how to become a brave person. This happened because Laura's pursuit of God. As she's gotten to know who God is, the creator of all things, who spoke life into existence, who has chosen us as his chosen people to be loved and known and share this closeness with us, as she started to grasp that, the girl won't shut up. (laughs) Like, the girl is brave. And friends, this is the beautiful difference of the pursuit of God. Instead of reading a verse and a 15-minute encouragement in order to make us a better person, instead of a devotion on being more joyful and more thankful, 
Instead, we learn who God is and it impacts us a hundred times greater. So friends, it's a hard concept to describe quickly and a hard question to reflectively, honestly look at your time with God and ask. Like, God, as I spend time with you, is it me focused? A Christian version of a self focused? Or is it God focused? The best way that I could think to begin to make this a little bit more concrete or a little bit more, I don't know, practical, not this like wild, what is this called? Theoretical? What am I trying to say? I don't know. Just these vague concepts. I thought what I would do um, is actually go through a verse. I'm flipping through my Bible here. So I've been reading through First Peter for a while now. You know I'm a slow Bible reader. The girl does the Bible bounds. I start reading in First Peter. All of a sudden it takes me to Ephesians. Then I'm reading in there. It takes me to Romans 6. I'm like, wait, what? Then I go back to First Peter. <laughs> so um, I thought I would just use this example from First Peter. Um, not because this is the best example, but just because this is what I'm reading now. And try to give a picture of what does it look like as I'm reading my Bible to be focused on me versus what does it look like to be reading my Bible and be focused on God. So if you want to turn with me, I'm in First Peter. Uh, I'm going to just read verse 3 through verse 9. If you're driving or working out or whatever you do while you podcast, this might not be... <laughs> A time you turn in your Bibles, but if you're sitting somewhere, get the word out, all right? Uh, this Bible is way more powerful than anything I'm going to say, so I always want you to be in here. Okay, I'm going to read First Peter 1, 3 through 9. First Peter is bomb, by the way, if you're looking for a book to read. Okay, I'm reading ESV. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls." Okay, so I'm going to go through this passage and tell you if I was reading this Bible focused on myself, what would I get from these verses? Okay, so I just picked four things that how I've literally read my Bible for the last 10 years. <laughs> what would I see in these verses? Uh, verse three, I am born again to a living hope. Awesome. Okay, I'm born again into this new life and a living, alive hope. Great. Verse four, I have an inheritance 
in heaven. Wow, it's kept in heaven for me. It's imperishable. I have an inheritance. Sweet. Verse 6, I want to rejoice in this. I want to rejoice now, but I may experience trials and I may be tested. Like, I have to know this possibility. I have to know this could be coming. This is a reality. All right. So want to rejoice. Just a warning. I might be tested. I might experience trials. Okay. And then verse 9, the outcome of my faith is salvation. Like salvation is a huge piece of the reward and what my faith is about. Okay. So those are the four things that would have stood out to me. Are those things true? Yeah, a hundred percent. Like these four things are in the Bible. They are God's word and they are things that I'm learning from these verses. Okay. Now here's the tricky part. Did any of those four things, (laughs) did I talk about God? No. I said, I'm born to a living hope. I have an inheritance in heaven. I may experience trials and salvation is my reward. Friends, those are not bad takeaways. Like you can read the Bible and take things about you or things that you're, how you're going to act or things you're receiving from God. You can take that as a takeaway point. But there's more. Like if, if you are interested in knowing God, in pursuing God, in loving God more, I would encourage you to put on a different set of glasses as you're reading the word and instead ask the question, what does this show me about God, not about me? This reminds me of reading Shakespeare and you like, or poetry or whatever you had to read in high school and college. And uh, you read through the story or you read through this uh, lyrical poem And all of a sudden, your teacher is like, all right, now, when he was talking about vases, he was actually using that as a metaphor for women. And you're like, what? (laughs) And all of a sudden, you start reading this poem and the same words that you read, you see so differently. You're like, dang, Shakespeare, is that really what you were talking about? I thought you were talking about a vase. Friends, this is the shift that I'm inviting you into. You're not, I'm not saying you're reading the Bible wrong and you're messing it up. I'm just saying, guys, if you want more, if you want to love God more, know him more. If you want to know him more, put on the glasses so that your time with God is not a pursuit of self, but a full pursuit of God. So let's go back to these verses in 1 Peter 1. You saw the points that stuck out to me. When I view these verses through myself, let's look at these same verses with our God goggles on. What does this teach me about God? When I read through verse three through nine, one phrase that really stood out to me was in verse five. So I'll read that again. Uh, I'll start in verse four. Um, To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Okay, so this verse is saying God's power is guarding, capital G, like guarding our hope, our inheritance, our faith, our salvation, 
All of these things are being guarded by God. So I open up my app called Blue Letter Bible. You can get it on your phone too, and you too can learn more about God. I click on this verse, and I click on the word guarding. What is this about? It takes me to the Greek word phroreo, P-H-R-O-U-R-E-O, which means protected by a military guard. Okay, so like someone professionally trained, equipped, and ready to rock like someone in our military, protected by a military professional. That's the same word that the Bible is using here. It says that this word also means completely preventing invasion. Okay, so God's power is literally like a military guard preventing any invasion from my hope, my inheritance, my faith, and my salvation. What? So I go back to my Bible. I look at this verse 5 again. I go to the very bottom of my Bible where there's cross-references. Other places in the Bible that talk about the similar theme or word or phrase. And it takes me to Philippians 4, 7. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard my heart and mind in Jesus Christ. Guys, this is that same word, guarding, this Ferraro Greek word, all right? Like, so not only is God guarding my hope, my inheritance, my faith, and my salvation, that same military-grade guarding God is guarding my heart and my mind in Jesus. What? Like that kind of power, that kind of guarding is what God has specifically for me? Another cross-reference took me to Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Okay, so why is this verse connected? Well, if I go back to verse 5 in 1 Peter 1, it says that God's power is being guarded through faith. So we could be like, well, it's my faith that is bringing God's guarding power. But this verse in Ephesians 2.8 says this faith is, is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Guys, so all of a sudden, instead of reading 1 Peter 1 and being like, I'm born again, I have an inheritance, I may be tested in trials, salvation is my reward, moving on to chapter 2. I start to obsess over this thought about God's guarding power. Like, That God gifted me faith. I couldn't believe in God without God. Like through God's power, I need God to love God. I need God to have faith in God. Ephesians 2.8 tells me that. That this is not of my undoing. My faith is a gift from God. Through my faith, God's power then becomes this guarding presence for my hope, my inheritance, my salvation, my heart, and my mind. Wow. Friends, that is taking the Bible and saying in these same few verses, God, don't teach me about me. 
Don't teach me about how I act. God, first off, teach me about you. Then how I act will trickle down and will just ripple from that. Whew. Friends, there's so much that we're invited to in this. I think it's tempting at times, kind of like working out or eating healthy or reading more books or watching less TV. It's easy to view our time with God as this thing we know we should be doing. But then when we sit down to do it, we're like, I just, I don't know. I just, if I read a few verses, does that count? If I go through this devotional that says how to be a self-confident Christian, does that count? And I just want to say, are you asking the right question? Is it, is it counting? Is that the thing we're worried about? Or is the question instead, God, can you teach me how to pursue you? Not pursue a feeling, not pursue a, myself, not pursue my own agenda of wanting to be like a well-rounded Christian person who obeys God and does what he says, but Instead, say, God, I want to be a person that is fully committed to the greatest commandment that you said from Old Testament to New Testament of loving God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind and with all my strength. And that comes through knowing you. And God, as our listeners here with the There's More podcast, Start to get in your word. Start to spend time with you. Father, I ask that you will teach us how to make it a pursuit of you, not a Christian version of pursuing ourselves. God, would this guarding power that we read about in 1 Peter not just be a hypothetical thing, not just be something we read about and educationally understand, but may we experience this, God, that we will feel and sense you guarding us as we pursue you, that you will guard our hearts and our minds from ourself, from our questions about us, God, instead transform them into questions about you and a pursuit, a whole pursuit, sweet father, of you and who you are. You know, the tricky part about this conversation is I still want to make it crystal clear that coming to God with questions that we have about who we are and um, how we handle a situation or what we do with our anxiety or our worry. Like, friends, that's not wrong. Like, I really want to make that clear. That's a beautiful piece of our relationship with God is engaging him with where we are. He's a personal God who engages us personally and gives us personal answers and revelations of who he is. Like, it's, it's beautiful that we have a God that we can have that kind of relationship with. Man, what I'm what I'm saying is like, but if our time with God is only wrapped up in these questions about us, we're missing something. Like we're missing the point of the Bible, which is the revelation of God, of getting to know God. It's just tricky because I lived here for so long, friends, where I was more concerned about being godly than I was knowing God. 
Um, I was more concerned about being obedient and doing the right thing for God and serving God and giving my life for God than I was to even care to get to know who he was. I mean, just imagine if you were in a dating relationship or in a marriage and it's like if I went out to dinner with Caleb and I had a list of 30 questions I was ready to ask him (laughs) and nothing else. Like, all right, Caleb, next question. Uh, Tell me one emotion that you felt today. All right. And moving on to the next one, like this rigid, like I have a question, God, what's your answer? I have a question. I have, what's your answer? Versus this beautiful unveiling of who Caleb is just through relationship, like just through our date. All of a sudden, 30 minutes later, we're telling a story from his childhood that I've never heard and we're laughing about it and I'm getting to know him better. This is a picture of our time with God. If we don't always go in with these questions, these things about us, but just saying, I want to get to know you, God. Man, that is the beauty of relationship. Woo! Friends, thanks again for listening to the There's More podcast. Love knowing that you're listening. Love praying for you for more and more of God. Have you tasted it yet? (laughs) Isn't it the best? Like, do you know that it's there? Have you experienced it, sweet friend? Because there is more.